First, I always, you know, I, I preach too that we have to have our posture of our heart right because there's only one that can justify us. So let's look at a little bit of his characteristics. And also, just for, just for free, for footnote, today, you know, we're following the church lectionary in preaching and teaching. It is Trinity Sunday. And it's kind of a, appropriate because Trinity Sunday, Trinity Sunday brings out everything of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. You know, we talked about God the Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit last week. But for true justification, I hope you'll see today that it takes every part of the Godhead to justify us in our walk with Christ. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 8, talking about God, his power, his majesty. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Look at verse 4. What is, my, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When's the last time you felt that? When's the last time you stopped and watched the sunset or saw something, a great lake view or a mountain view, and just stopped and praised God for his majesty, for his creation? of who he is. I, I love that verse and it humbled me. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Remember last week I talked about Louis Giglio's How Great Is Our God, talking about the planets. And when we compare the planets, all of the planets in the universe, Earth is about the size of a golf ball and you and I are on it. We're pretty small in the grand scheme of things. But notice that God chose us little lower than the angels, and I love this, and here's our point. He crowned us with glory and honor. So we are made, the, the next time you're feeling down, we are made with glory and honor, and God has given everything in the world to be under our dominion. Remember in the Garden of Eden, when, when in Genesis, God told man to go and subdue. It's called the dominion mandate, that man would rule the earth. Sometimes I think we forget that. Sometimes I think we forget the glory and honor and the responsibility God's given us to take care of. The power that we have as, hear me church, God's creations. And maybe if we would walk in that, praising him for his power and glory, maybe people around us would see us and want to know why we walk that way and be attracted to it. Our scripture text main text comes from Romans 5, 1 and 10. Therefore, Paul writes to the Roman church, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, there's our title, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the process. Though whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, which we now stand. 
and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Here's why. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, like last week, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the heart of every believer, who has been given to us. It's a free gift. Look at verse 6. I love this. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you know what that verse means? That at that point in time in history that Jesus walked and talked and lived and died, that was the exact moment God had chosen from the beginning to insert Jesus into history. He didn't insert him in our generation or your father and mother's generation or your grandparents' generation. I love it that God said at the right time. God, somebody say amen. God's timing is always perfect. Always perfect. And we'll get into that when we talk about suffering. Because many people ask, why am I suffering? Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, we were in an ungodly sinful state, Paul says. Christ died for us. You didn't have it all together when Jesus died. Amen. And if anyone tells you, I hear it a lot, not as much as I used to, but especially as a pastor, well, pastor, you know, I just can't come to Christ. I can't come to church because I got a lot of junk in my life. That's good. Jesus died for that stuff. Nobody's going to shout you down. I, I promise you there's some, starting with me, there's some people in this house that had a lot of junk and still got it under Christ. Bring it to Christ. Christ is the one, Christ wants you dirty. It's his job to clean us up through his blood. We'll see that in a minute too. God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. The actual verb there is while you were still sinning. It's an ongoing verb. It's not past tense. Christ died for us. Look at verse 9. Since we have now been justified. That means no, no crime, no charge no guilt has been laid to us. We now have been justified by his blood. Look at this last sentence, y'all. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Because some preachers and some churches don't want to talk about God's wrath, but God has a wrath. It is coming to those who haven't accepted him. That's a biblical truth. But if you've, been accepted, if you've accepted him and been justified by faith, you have no reason to fear the wrath of God because you're justified. Let's unpack several points from this verse. Number one, our justification through faith leads to peace with God. Think about that. Because we're justified, we can be at peace with God. We don't have to doubt God. We don't have to struggle with God. And this is also what I call a converse statement. A converse means it works both ways. You could actually read the statement, when you have peace with God, you are justified by your faith. They work together. 
Because think about it, it looks like this. When you come to Christ, you accept Christ, you start your walk with Christ, Christ never stops working on you. Somebody say amen. I'm a work in progress. Anybody with me? The Holy Spirit is cleaning it. I heard a great sermon by the legendary pastor E.V. Hill at Promise Keepers, and he said it's like this. He says it's like we're under this cloth and the Holy Spirit's there and he's cleaning us up and he's throwing the things out that we don't need. That's how justification happens as a process. The Holy Spirit will convict you. Maybe you're doing some things that in your mind you know they're on the borderline of right or wrong. It's the Holy Spirit saying, you don't need to be doing that anymore. It's justification. And as we go through the justification process, one of the characteristics, one of the blessings that happens is we go deeper in a relationship with God. And can I tell you, church, when you go deeper in a relationship with God, you find peace with God. You ever looked at the whole life of David? Now, there's a man who was at peace with God. There's a man who relied on God for everything. And hey, guys, was David perfect? No. But he was being justified through his relationship with God and finding peace with God. If you find peace with God, you're on the path. You're on the faith life walk of being justified by faith. Number two. Our only boasting or bragging, we say down south, bragging, should be in our earthly sufferings that perfect us to his holiness. That's an odd concept for most of us. We want to complain about a lot. Me included. I'm preaching to me when I say this next thing. It's real easy to complain about $5 gas. It's real easy to complain about the situation of our country. Sometimes I think we Christians, because of the society and culture that we live in now that's so toxic, we find ourselves being more complainers than boasters. And several times in scriptures, Paul and the word of God tells us, if you're going to brag, if you're going to boast, boast in your sufferings and weakness. When's the last time you said, praise God, I'm going through this because he is justifying me? It's, it's a unique concept, especially I think even more harder for us entitled Americans sometimes. That we want to, you know, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. He didn't say you might or kind of possible. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. James says, count it all joy when you fall into many trials and tribulations. Think about that. Be happy that bad things are happening. I got to tell you, this week was hard for me and several of you. I've been able to walk beside and serve two marriages in trouble. I've been able to walk beside. We've got a couple here who are dealing with a situation with their son. I got to minister to a guy who's lost his job and doesn't know where the next step is coming from. People are suffering, but rather being down and out and throwing in the towel, the scriptures, the word of God says, boast in your sufferings. Because this is a fallen world and bad things will happen to good people. We just have to remember, don't throw in the towel. This just came to me yesterday, you know, of all you that watch these boxing movies and you know the analogy there's times when boxers wants to go on, but fortunately they've got somebody in your corner 
that doesn't throw in the towel. And as I said last a couple of weeks ago, talking about marriages, we've made divorce way too easy for a $99 billboard. Some people just want to throw in their towel on their marriages, on their career, on their kids, on their family. I'm a product of the 70s. We used to say, keep on keeping on. Amen? Maybe, maybe boasting in our sufferings will keep us keeping on. Maybe it will keep us from throwing in the towel. Because God doesn't want you to throw in the towel. God wants you to finish the race, to keep the faith, to fight the good fight, as Paul would say. Our only boasting should be in our earthly sufferings that perfect us. Notice they're perfecting us. And some of you can say amen to this. Some of you have been through trials and hard times, but once you got out of them, hindsight, as they say, is 2020. Most people I know, most people I know will state the true fact that it is in the valleys, the hard times, that they grew the most than rather on the mountains. Amen? It's like that refiner's fire written in the Old Testament. That God takes us, he puts us in the fire, he allows us to be in the fire, and it singes off like a silversmith burning off the dross of silver to make something beautiful. And it's not just us. If you read the Old Testament, he's done it to every person he's called to work. He did it to Moses. Moses had an anger problem, so God sent him to Midian to work it out. Gideon had an insecurity problem because he was the runt of the litter. No, God, I'm the small guy. You don't need me. <laughs> You're the one I want. Get over it. You see, God is constantly using our fallen world opportunities to polish to refine, to grow us, to stretch us. You know, when I've talked of comfort zones, you'll never expand your comfort zone until you step out of it. And then that circle gets bigger. So, it's that other catchphrase. Do you see, you may see what you're going through. And I know people are going through things today and out in our online community. I just encourage you, do you see it as an obstacle or do you see it as an opportunity to grow for God? to maybe get rid of some things that you've carried around far too long that need to be burned off anyway. Number three, our, justifi our justification through faith is a four-step process. We read that in Romans 5. It goes like this. We go through suffering in the world. As I said, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have bad days. Newsflash. Even if you love Jesus. Even if you accepted Jesus, you're going to have bad days because the world is fallen and the world is bad. But we go through the suffering. Suffering produces perseverance. That's not throwing in the towel. That's not saying, hands up, I quit. It's saying and praying, maybe falling on your face and saying, Lord, give me the strength to get through this valley. Because I know your promise, you've promised never to leave or forsake me then perseverance produces character. You've seen that probably. Maybe you've experienced it. Because you didn't quit, because you didn't throw in the towel, you develop deep character. And character, I love one quote about character. Character is doing what's right even if no one's watching. It develops things in you. And perseverance some of you out there may step on some toes, but I'm going to step. 
Some of you out there had rather complain about all your failures than persevere to develop character. And you may have a lot of failures, but can I tell you something? A lot of people have had failures. You know, Babe Ruth struck out over a thousand times. Is that what we remember him for? No. One of the greatest home run hitters ever to live and play the game of baseball. Thomas Edison had thousands of failed patents before he submitted the light bulb. Abraham Lincoln ran for multiple offices, Congress, Senate, and got beat many times in a row. Eight or nine, I believe, if history and memory serves me. But he didn't throw in the towel when he decided to run for president. Don't give up. Persevere. We don't use that word a lot in our new... Our, uh, language. Hang on. Have stick-to-itness. Don't give up at the first sign of trouble. Persevere. Perseverance produces character, and then character, as you see, produces hope. And we don't want to lose hope. We, as followers of Jesus, have no reason to lose hope because we've seen hope. We've seen love. God showed it. I thought of the Micah verse that says, Micah 7 7 says, But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Do you believe that? Do you believe whatever you're going through now, in your walk, in your suffering, in your persevering, that God hears you? And last, from the Romans 5 passage, by our faith in Christ and justification through his blood, we are saved from the wrath of God. We are saved. Do you recognize you have no fear of God's impending wrath? I say one of my friends, you should be saved and certain. You're born again. You're washed in the blood. And we're justified. Paul would write a young minister named Titus with this. He would say, Titus 3, 3 through 7, at one time, we too, uh, let me just preface this. i got to preface this. Think about the days before you accepted Jesus. Think about the things you were doing before you accepted Jesus. This is a generic. This is how Paul, through the Holy Spirit inspiration, writes this. At one time, we too were foolish. Anybody got that t-shirt beside me? Especially from 17 to 25. Anybody with me? We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, just at the right time, as the scripture said, he saved us. Not because of any righteous things we had done, watch this, but because of his mercy. His grace. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been what? Justified by his grace, we might become heirs and having the hope of eternal life. 
when you're heir to something, that means you have all the rights and privileges of that. And when you accepted Jesus and you were justified by faith, by his blood, by the outpouring of his spirit, you became an heir to the hope of eternal life. The hope that I don't have to experience the wrath of God. The hope that God is going to save me for eternity. We are justified by faith. We, as people of God, are a faithful people. We, as people of God, are a hopeful people. We, as people of God, are a justified people with the promise of eternal life. So on this Trinity Sunday, it is all three of the Godhead, of the Trinity. Father God, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit that leads us into eternity with him. We have been justified by faith. If you're here this morning struggling, if you're here this morning bearing sufferings, we'd love the privilege to pray with you. Either after the service, find someone, pray together, come to me. I'd be honored to pray with you. Because the world seems to be getting harder and harder every day with things we see. But hang on, persevere, develop character, develop hope, and walk in the process of being justified by faith that will lead to peace with God. If you've never named his name, maybe you want to start your journey today. Maybe you want to say a confession of faith that I believe that Jesus is the true and living son of God. Be buried with him in baptism. Receive the Holy Spirit and start walking with him in a newness of life on your own personal journey. We can accomplish that as too. But my prayer, my plea for you is whatever you're going through, don't give up. God sees it, God hears it, and God is with you. Don't throw in the towel. Hang on, persevere, and know you're justified by faith. And you and anyone can have the hope of eternal life with him forever. Let's pray together. Father God, we could try to run around and do all these things that look good to others, these works, these deeds. We could come before you and have a long laundry list and maybe even be prideful and say, my list is longer than yours. I've done more good than you did. That's not what's going to count. That's not what's going to get us to eternity to heaven with you. Because your word proclaims that one man, one Lord, your son, our Savior, did one act that satisfied you and your wrath while we were that wicked people, while we were still sinners. That Jesus came, he lived, he taught, he took a cross. He bled, he died, he rose again and paid forever the debt of sin. By Jesus, by faith, by his blood, by your spirit, we who have accepted you now stand justified. There is no charge, there is no guilt, there is no shame. Paul would say there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.
we can stand faultless before the throne. Because when you look at us, let me make it specific. When you look at Mark, you don't see Mark. You see what Jesus did for Mark. You see me through blood-stained glasses, through the eyes of your son. And Jesus says, he belongs to me. Even when the devil rails against us and calls up and causes us to doubt all the junk in the past, all the silly little mistakes we still make because we wear this flesh, but you, Jesus, say, you've been justified by my blood and by your faith. Help us to walk as justified people. Help us to walk as people of promise and people of hope. Help us to be on the path that leads us to deeper peace with you. Because the world, our country, the society needs to see the peace of God. And they need to see the people of God rise up and show it. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this body of believers here. Bless us, Lord, to do your will. Help us to always remember what you've done for us not what we do for you. In Jesus we pray. Amen.